Welcome to my podcast, Cleaning Up the Mental Mess. I'm your host, Dr. Caroline Leaf, and thank you for joining me today. Before I begin, I'm going to be talking today about trauma bonding. And I just want to give you a, before I start talking, I just want to give you a trigger advisory warning. I want to tell anyone who's listening to this podcast that by talking about this topic of trauma bonding, I will mention different types of abuse. If you are someone who has or is suffering from abuse and trauma bonding, this content may be triggering. If you are in a dangerous abusive relationship, you can call a hotline at 1-800-799-7233 or visit the National Domestic Violence Hotline website for help and immediate support. I will also list this website and this number and other places you can get support in the show notes. One more thing here is that this podcast is for educational purposes and is not medical advice. And if you need medical advice, please contact the appropriate medical professional. And also, as mentioned, if you are in a trauma bonding situation, please go to the links that are in the show notes to get whatever help it is that you need. So I will be putting these into the show notes. Just a note before we begin today's episode. If you enjoy listening to my podcast and want to get access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, sign up today to become a Patreon member. Every month I will be releasing special bonus podcasts on topics you have requested, doing live Q&As and more. When you sign up today, you will get immediate access to two podcasts on topics I think are so important and pertinent, how to become less emotionally reactive and how to capture and edit thoughts before they become harmful. You will also have access to exclusive digital downloads and become part of a special community. Sign up today at patreon.com forward slash Dr. Caroline Leaf. The link will also be in the show notes. Now, trauma bonding. What is trauma bonding? Trauma bonding occurs in abusive relationships and it is the psychological and emotional response to abuse. Ultimately, what actually happens is that the person who is the victim of abuse develops certain attachments or sympathies for the abuser. It can go so far as that the victim will make excuses for the abuser. Trauma bonding leads to cycles of abuse between people and their relationships with others. Trauma bonding is often the reason people stay in an abusive relationship as well. But it is important to note that that not everyone in an abusive relationship or anyone who has experienced abuse develops a type of trauma bond. So it's not everyone. It isn't a just hard and fast rule that if you are in an abusive relationship that you will form a trauma bond. It happens. It's not all the time. You can be in an abusive relationship and not form a trauma bond as well. Generally, the victim of abuse and the abuser tend to have a very, very unhealthy type of attachment. Now, it's very natural for humans to become attached to each other. We all know that. Very, very, very natural. It's natural for humans to become attached to each other. Attachment in and of itself is not bad. It's very good. But when people have a relationship where their abuser is their main human support. This is usually when trauma bonds start to develop. 
You can often see this when the victim still looks to their abuser for comfort or emotional support, even if the abuser is the one who caused the emotional or toxic trauma problems in the first place. Yet in these cases, the victim is looking to the abuser to fulfill an emotional need or want, which they obviously can't because they are the one abusing. So it's a very distorted, confusing relationship. Oftentimes the victim may not even know any form of love. And this is how they've learned to see the world or a very, very distorted view of what love is. This is especially common in victims who who were abused from a very young age when they were forming their views of life and the world. When this is the case, commonly people blame themselves for the abuse as a way to excuse the abuser. So they'll say things like, I'm the cause, I did this. I caused them to be upset or to abuse me. The abuser may also have told the survivor that they won't be loved by anyone else and the survivor may believe that that's what love is, which it's not. It's all distorted. Another part of the cycle of abuse is that often the abuser will show remorse for their actions and not necessarily genuine. It tends to be manipulative. And then the survivor sees this as a sign that their abuser will change. And because inherently we wired for love and hope, this is what, and we need it, and we need deep, meaningful connections. This is what tends to take over. So they believe, or they take this as a sign that their abuser will change. And very often, the remorse that the abuser shows comes in the form of the abuser promising that they will change, but they don't. There are many cases in which abuse can occur, such as domestic abuse, child abuse, incest elder abuse, exploitative employment situations, kidnapping, human trafficking, cults, religious extremism, etc. So these are some of the cases where trauma bonds can can form. There are generally around four or so points in the cycle of abuse that leads to trauma bonding. And I'll put these links in the show notes. The first point begins with raising tensions and miscommunications. The survivor will see more and more disconcerting behavior from the abuser. This is when the survivor may start to feel fearful and intimidated, but also confused because they may either be seeing a new side if this is the beginning of the abuse, abuse, or they may be wondering why the abuser is treating them like this again. So it's very confusing. So it may start it off as a nice healthy relation or seemingly healthy relationship and then there's these warning signs, these little signs that something's not right. This is usually when the survivor blames themselves and begins to think that they did something wrong to cause the treatment they are getting. These are red flags that I'm reading. Okay, so this first point is raising tensions and miscommunications. If you like a shortcut to better sleep, more energy and a calmer, more stable mood, then you should consider supplementing with magnesium daily. It was estimated that about 75% of people are magnesium deficient. This deficiency can lead to higher levels of anxiety, irritability, trouble sleeping and low energy. It can even contribute to foot and leg cramps while you sleep. 
Two says, most magnesium supplements you'll find in health stores use only the two cheapest synthetic forms. And since they are not full spectrum, they won't fix your magnesium deficiency or do much to support your health. That's why I recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by BioOptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress relief and better sleep all in one bottle. Simply take two capsules before you go to bed and you'll be amazed by the improvements in your mood and energy levels and how much more rested you feel when you wake up. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, go to www.magnesiumbreakthrough.com forward slash Dr. Leaf and use Dr. Leaf 10 during the checkout to save 10% and get free shipping. The link and details will be in the show notes. The second part of the cycle. After the rising of the tension, the next stage is generally the actual incident of physical, emotional, verbal and mental abuse. So it's the incident. So there's the rising tension and then there's the actual incident. This is usually the stage of intimidation or displays of anger and abuse by the abuser. This is also usually when the fights break out and oftentimes the abuser will use blaming or threatening language. The third stage of the cycle is the reconciliation stage where the abuser will apologize or try to make amends for their behavior. This is when they will usually show a lot of what almost feels like remorse and promises to change. And in this stage, the abuser may also try to make excuses or try to say the incident was not as bad as the survivor says or believes. So there's a bit of you know gaslighting going on there and manipulation and trying to make you f- the, the victim feel like they, they've made this up in their heads. The, the abuser may even deny the incident. When the abuser shows remorse or a promise of change, or when there are moments when the abuser treats the victim lovingly, these are considered intermittent rewards amongst the punishment for the abuser. So these intermittent rewards through this so-called remorse or promise of change. This has a tremendously confusing effect on the survivor. The survivor ends up being in a state where they're always hoping for the moments of kindness shown by the abuser and will always come back and they usually rely on those moments to get them through the bad moments. So when they're in the bad moments, they recall those to actually help them in the bad moments. And this kind of keeps this cycle going on and on. The survivor may also be thinking of the earlier days in their relationship with that person where things were so much better, were likely so much better. So in this stage of the remorse, there's a lot of manipulating and gaslighting as well. Then the fourth stage is usually the stage that could be described as the calm before the storm. This is when there are no major incidents and everything seems to be normal. The whole incidence of abuse is completely, is, well, is, is tends to be forgotten for a time or suppressed until stage one begins again, which is that rising of the tensions, then it's the incident and then it's the remorse and then the calm before the storm. I want to read a direct quote to you from the organization Parents Against Child Exploitation. 
and they say that a trauma bond develops under specific conditions. A person must perceive a real threat of danger from their abuser, experience harsh treatment with small periods of kindness, be isolated from other people and their perspectives, believe that they cannot escape. Essentially, you become psychologically addicted to your abuser. It's a distorted attachment. So it's a distorted connection. And this is why the cycle of abuse keeps going on and on, especially if it's gone on for longer than cycles of 63 days, which is nine weeks, because then that pattern has wired into the brain and it's become familiar. And it's become what seems to be the distortion almost feels like it's normal. Often people have described that when they're trying to stop contact with their abuser, it feels like they're coming off of, of a drug. They're so used to a certain pattern that's been constantly activated. And think of this relationship like a toxic tree, like I explain on all my podcasts about the toxic tree and the healthy tree. Every experience you have is processed by your mind into your brain. Your mind shows up in your brain and your body, and it's processed into your mind and brain, your, through your mind into your brain as a physical structural change in your brain, a neural net, a pathway that looks like a tree and with all the branches, which are the details and the leaves of the emotions and the roots of the actual source of the trauma, the actual abuse that's happening, what the abuser does and says, that's the roots part of the thought. And then the uh, the branches and the leaves above the ground, just using the analogy of a tree, those are how you in, how the victim is, abu- is interpreting, seeing themselves as hoping back to better times and the little bits of kindness, that's what the truth is, or I'm the cause of this, or I can't away from this person, they I need them, that kind of thing. So when you basically have, if that's whatever you think about the most gross, so whatever you're experiencing daily in the cycle, that is what's growing. So when you suddenly stop that, that even though that's toxic, then there is that that toxic thought literally has to change. It's, it's, it's not getting fed anymore. So its energy starts going away. And as its energy starts going away and a new thought is built to replace it, that you f- that because it's so distorted as it's changing, you feel that, that almost like withdrawal symptoms of the changes that are physically happening inside your brain and your body to your emotions, which are on that thought tree as the leaves, to the branches, which are the information of the data, the interpretation to the roots, which are the actual, all the experience, the detail, and the data of what actually happened. And this applies to both the abuser and the survivor. People literally feel emotionally hooked to the other in these types of relationships. And they are. Through quantum physics, there's a relationship, an entanglement that has occurred between the abuser and the, and the victim. And that entanglement is there. So when, when you move away from the situation, there is still those thoughts are still alive, but they're not connect. They they connect it by the root system, but they're not they're not like a Lego block. They've been pulled apart, but they still can make that connection. You've actually got to literally destroy the one part of the Lego block just for giving you a really simple analogy. Otherwise, it's this constant almost calling for the other part to complete it, even though that this even though it's toxic and it's threatening survival and it's causing brain damage and it's causing physical and mental damage in the brain mind and body connection. So trauma bonding is literally an extreme bondage between abuser and survivor. And over time, as I've mentioned already, each day that you go through this, 
it gets the connection gets stronger and stronger on a quantum level. Even even though you're not you're not one person, you're close to it. You physically in close contact. There is the quantum physics is the energy field between people, and that energy field has literally become connected. Think, imagine like a sort of a lightning between two people, and then. When you start getting out of the trauma bonding situation, that connection is still there. You're still plugged into each other. So it takes time to unplug. And as you're unplugging, the brain has got to rewire. The body's got to change in every cell. Your mind is changing. So there's a whole mind-brain-body change that is happening. And it'll take time. It's not going to happen overnight. So I came across a quote while doing a deep dive into the specifics of trauma bonding. And the quote was, Trauma bonding feels like you've broken me into pieces but you're the only one that can fix me. And that is from a website called Brock's Two Women's Project, and I'll put that into the show notes as well. So I'm going to read that again. Trauma bonding feels like you've broken me into pieces, but you're the only one who can fix me. That's the distortion because of that connection. So you can be thousands of miles apart from that person. If you haven't broken that trauma bond, you're still connected. You're still plugged in. The source is still there. It's still exploding inside of you. So it's only when you actually recognize what is happening and get into the therapy and the support that you need to get away from that person that you can actually then physically, the, the thought the thought can start literally dying, transforming. Energy is never lost. It's transferred into the new, healthy, and reconceptualized way of functioning. And that's a whole mind, brain, body activity. It's going to take cycles of 63 days. It's going to take multiple cycles. I had some patients who'd been through so much trauma and such strong trauma bonding that they took years, multiple cycles of 63 days. And the 63 days is the time it takes to break down these neural pathways. And one 63-day cycle is not going to break a strong established trauma bond, just one cycle. You're going to have to do multiple. You can do 11 cycles in a year. You may need to do three years of cycles, each dealing with an aspect. So there's a time frame involved. And as you're working through the healing from the trauma bonding, and initially it's incredibly difficult. And that's why therapeutic support and a support system is absolutely vital. There's another quote, sums up this quote, basically this one of trauma bonding feels like you've broken me into pieces, but you're the only one who can fix me. I mean, literally your brain is damaged, your body's damaged. So that brokenness is very, very real. Your, the, the gravitational fields of your mind are damaged. They're not these beautiful waves. They are these toxic waves of energy. This quote sums up how the abuser will actually become the essential part of your life. And there's a strong connection that the survivor has to the abuser. It can also reflect that oftentimes in abusive relationships, the survivor is socially isolated. So they truly do have their only have the abuser. That's the only person. So that's also a very huge red flag if that abuser is blocking you from seeing anyone else in your life. And if you know someone who's very isolated, you know, that, and you sit, there's a strong chance that this is happening. And then it's really important if you have someone in your life, a loved one, friend, etc., or a work colleague or something that is, is, seems to be completely isolated, never allowed to go out, never really connecting with other people, then that's a big red flag. So I'm going to try and break down what's happening neurochemically and in this intense attachment that seems to only work, that, that seems to work against the survivor and their life. As I've described already, I'm going to go in a little bit more detail. So this attachment that almost feels like an addiction can, an addiction is an emotional warning signal, can create a change in, in the person's brain. It creates these toxic 
trees, these literally the proteins fold incorrectly. So what I mean by that is that as the abuse is happening, that's an experience. The mind is thinking, feeling, and choosing and showing up in the brain as these energy fields and that causes genetic expression and what you're going through is being built into little proteins that group together to grow branches and those are grouping together to form a, a thought tree. The actual incident is in the root part and then how you're processing that is the tree trunk and then your interpretation of that is the, are the branches and the branches contain the data and the leaves are the emotions and this would be a toxic looking tree so the proteins fold in the incorrect way, the electrical chemical balance is incorrect, and there's a distortion in the quantum energy, the vibrations. That means the immune system will be activated, the immune system will send out a response, T lymphocytes, B lymphocytes, to actually heal this damage in the brain and the body. And so you're, and then that sends, that sends another, creates a whole response in the heart, in the gut, in the, the whole body is trying to heal this, and, and, and your whole body and mind come together to warn you that something's going on. So you feel this physically and mentally. So as more specifically, oxytocin, which is connected, which is a hormone that's a neurohormone that's connected to bonding and endogenous opioids, which are connected to pleasure, pain, withdrawal and dependence and corticotropin releasing factors, which are connected to withdrawal and stress and dopamine, which is connected to, with your reward, to focus, to seeking, craving, wanting, all get completely distorted. So instead of them doing what they're supposed to do, it's distorted bonding, it's distorted pleasure and pain, it's distorted withdrawal, it's distorted focus. Everything is, is distorted. So there's a whole biological and neurochemical change. And this is why it's so hard to break, which I was saying about the 63-day cycles, because there's this psycho-mind, neuro-brain, biological change that's happening. The experience is not just there, it's actually physically inside of you and inside the abuser, and it's connected in the ways I've been describing. It's a new year, which means it's time to leave behind the things that don't serve you, like overdraft fees. Indeed, when your checking account balance is running low, the last thing you need is an overdraft fee. But with Chime, an award-winning app and debit card, you can save that hard-earned paper without paying overdraft fees. Eligible members can overdraft up to $200 on debit card purchases and cash withdrawals with absolutely no overdraft fees. Make your first good decision in 2022 and join over 10 million people using Chime. Sign up takes only two minutes and doesn't affect your credit score. Get started at chime.com forward slash Dr. Leaf. That's chime.com forward slash Dr. Leaf. Banking services provided by a debit card issued by the Bank Corp of Stride Bank and NA, members FDIC. Get fee-free transactions at any MoneyPass ATM in a 7-Eleven location and at any AllPoint or Visa Plus Alliance ATM. Otherwise, out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Sometimes pay anyone instant transfers can be delayed. The recipient must use a valid debit card or be a Chime member to claim funds. The link and details will be in the show notes. So if you're in an abusive relationship, never blame yourself. Never blame yourself. If you can't understand why you can't leave, just try to understand that there's a lot more going on in your psychoneurobiology and in that other person. And you may need a lot of coping strategies and a lot of help to break this attachment. Our brain will release chemicals in response to our environment. That's what happens. It's doing it all the time in the way that I've been describing. 
And in an abusive relationship, this release is happening constantly as the cycle of abuse goes through its different changes. The cycle creates an environment where the constant changes in the relationship creates a highly emotionally charged climate. The emotions are the leaves on the tree and they're getting bigger and bigger and weighing it down and growing huge bushes. And all this happens very on an unconscious level in the abusive environment. And if it's happening day in and day out, whatever you think about the most, it's growing. It's physically growing inside of your brain and changes in your, every cell of your body and all the chemicals and so on. The survivor is an, in an environment that is a very high, unmanaged, toxic stress environment, causing the blood vessels around your heart to constrict and less blood flow to the brain and so on, because you're constantly uncertain about whether or not the abuser will be is the tension, you know, the cycles, is the, if you, are you in the tension state, is the tension building towards the incident? The incident's happened. Then there's the apology and then there is the, and the remorse and then there is the, the calm before the storm and you're hoping, you know, the whole cycle. And suddenly you're not sure whether the abuser will suddenly react or become violent and they're constantly thinking that they, that they themselves are to blame, but you're not to blame. In high unmanaged toxic stress environments, our brain releases high amounts of cortisol and very predictive patterns are built in the brain. High levels of cortisol will throw off the whole stress reaction and increase inflammation and put one's heart at risk so your heart can feel sore. High levels of cortisol take, create physical changes in the brain and the body and can also override proper reasoning because the increase in cortisol changes the chemical balance in the brain, which changes the oxygen balance in the brain, changes the blood flow in the brain, changes the balance between the two different hemispheres. You get a tsunami of brain energy. So all of these are happening and it can make you feel completely overwhelmed and stuck and hoping and sort of surviving on the times when they were kind to you to try and get you through. You kind of fall back to the resilience, the little bit of resilience, which was the periods of kindness. One of the biggest psychological reasons why it can be hard to find a way out in trauma bonds is due to the cognitive dissonance that happens. Cognitive dissonance is the confusion and discomfort that humans can feel when they hold opposing and conflicting beliefs, values, or attitude. So we meant to love people. We meant to have these deep, meaningful relationships. And here's this person who's showing kindness, but then showing abuse. So there's a relationship, but it's very confusing. There's dissonance. There's cognitive dissonance. This is not right. This is incorrect. And you may not even be able to put words to it, but there's this sense which is your non-conscious mind, which is 90 to 99% of who you are, that is driving this awareness in you. That So cognitive dissonance is a very strong sign, a very strong warning signal that we need to pay attention to. When you're feeling cognitive dissonance, which feels like confusion, that why is this happening? What's going on here? That's a sign that you need to dig deeper, that there is definitely time to reach out and get help, that this is not right. Cognitive dissonance can cause people to rationalize, can, you know, rationalize. We can rationalize away, well, it's my fault, or justify that a reality that is causing the dis dissonance because it's so hard as humans to deal with cognitive dissonance. When someone that you think you love is treating you badly and then confusing you with periods of kindness, that cognitive dissonance is just so overwhelming that it can be rationalized or justified away. It can also make people feel very ashamed, embarrassed, or guilty. So if you find yourself feeling this cognitive dissonance and you find yourself either rationalizing or justifying or feeling guilty, ashamed, embarrassed, that's immediately time to have a lot of compassion for yourself. Tell yourself this is not your fault. Something's wrong here and you need to reach out for help. 
In the cycle of abuse, the survivor is generally feeling this cognitive dissonance as they are hurt or angry by their abuser, but also blame themselves and try to justify the abuser's actions. So if you find yourself in the midst of the abuse, being totally confused, totally hurt in multiple ways, but find that you're blaming yourself and you're trying to justify your abuser's actions, saying you deserved it, that's also a sign to you that, that you need to reach out for help, that this is a trauma bond. This kind of the, of the psychological effect of the biological changes in our brain and our body are very, very strong warning signals as well, telling us that we need to pay attention. If you think your kids are picky, you haven't met the parents at Ritual. After scanning countless labels for multivitamins they could rely on for their own kids, they decided they had to create one themselves and make it with a high standards approach that Ritual is known for and parents can trust. Introducing Rituals Essential for Kids. I personally take Rituals multivitamins every day and wish I had the essential kids when my children were younger because their products have made such a big difference in my own life. Not only do they have a natural citrus berry flavor for kids, but each gummy also features a three-in-one design that combines a daily multi-vegan omega-3 DHA and a good source of fiber per serving. Plus, all their multivitamins are made traceable because you deserve to know what you're giving your kids and why. With their one-of-a-kind visible supply chain, you'll always know what nutrients are in their multivitamins and where they're sourced. When it comes to what goes into our kids' bodies, they've got being picky down to a science. That's why Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off during your first three months. Visit ritual.com forward slash Dr. Leaf to start Ritual or add Essential for Kids today. Link and details will be in the show notes. So this is not an easy thing to deal with. And it's so vitally important that if you're listening to this right now and you feel you may be in an abusive relationship, you are not alone. Please know you're not alone and that freedom is possible. There are different coping skills and different ways to build the strength to leave the relationship that you may feel trapped in. And your brain can change. You can't change what's happened to you, but you can change what the toxic thought looks like inside your brain and your every cell of your body and in your mind. You can change that. So you'll, this, what happened to you won't go away, but you can reconceptualize that so that you can have peace going forward and change how you want your future to play out. I mentioned earlier that many people may not realize their situation is destructive especially when the abuse is less outright less obvious and comes in a more subtle way so if you are anxious in periods where everything is calm because you're waiting for the storm this is a big red flag if you find yourself constantly blaming yourself or feeling confused about the way someone is treating you and you feel in that state of cognitive dissonance this is another big red flag when you feel controlled and when you wanted to leave or may have actually left but feel such a pull to go back or you're being isolated from other people, that's another very big red flag. One of the biggest things to remind yourself of is that the feelings that you feel and the pain that you're experiencing won't go away immediately. As you realize what has happened and as you recognize what you've gone through and as you realize what you've, been, what you've, what you've experienced, and as you take steps to break away from this abusive relationship, remind yourself that it's one day at a time, moment by moment, in these cycles of 63 days. 
And I have a book called Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, my most recent book, which really explains this concept that I'm talking about in depth of how to recognize and self-regulate and self-regulate to get to the point where you can actually see this in yourself, stand back and observe yourself and, and develop the strength in yourself and grow that resilience in yourself and recognize that this is not your fault, that you, that you deserve better, that you deserve to get free from this. Try to release the habit of blaming yourself because it's not your fault or explaining and justifying the abuse. No abuse is ever, ever acceptable. Anyone, No one has the right to make you feel like this. Work to try and trust yourself that what you're experiencing is not healthy and not okay. One very helpful way is to try to talk back to the critical self-talk that is blaming yourself and question it. So when it says, oh, this, when you have things like saying to yourself, well, I must have caused this, I deserve this, stop and say, this is not nice what's happening. This is making me feel terrible. This is hurting me mentally and physically. This is not right. So talk back to yourself. Question that. Be curious. Question. And and go into your wise mind, which is your survival mind. And as you start questioning that, stand back and observe yourself, literally in your mind mentally, and say, is this acceptable? Would you like this to happen to someone else? Is this helping you? Is this good for you? Do the self-talk. The self-talk will help you blame yourself less because you need to tell yourself this is not your fault. This is wrong. What this person is making you feel is wrong. And this can often make the self-blame make less and less sense, which could lead you to think more freely. So when you talk back to yourself, the self-blame will make less and less sense. And you can do this while making a list of reasons why it's not your fault and focus on that list. Another way is to try and get support from someone else in your life that is loving and trustworthy. Often there is isolation, unfortunately, in abusive relationships. And when the survivor garners support from others, it can break this isolation, which is a good thing. If you are scared to open up or embarrassed, you may find that often opening up to others who have experienced abuse may help you feel less judged. But you may not know that someone else has accepted abuse, but reach out for help. Reach out for help. You do, you're not wrong. You do not have to blame yourself. You did nothing wrong. If you're feeling any of the things that I've described, Reach out to the one of the and go to the show notes. We, uh, we have a blog as well, always attached to every podcast. And you can go to my website, drleaf.com, which we'll put in the show notes. Where you show notes where you'll also find this podcast summarized. And you'll be able to, if you know someone who's in this situation, give this information, share this podcast, and share the, 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 the links for the abuse hotline, etc., etc., to be able to get the support that you need. There are also many support groups, therapy, and a large number of help centers and hotlines. I mentioned National Domestic Violence Hotline and will include, once again, I remind you, I will include the number and links in the show notes. Just remember, there is help out there and you're not alone. It is not your fault. If any of this speaks to you from what I have said, you deserve to have peace and freedom. You deserve to get the help. You are loved. Thank you for joining me today. And if you know anyone who needs to hear this and who needs this help, please share this podcast and please share the links that are in this podcast. I look forward to speaking to you next time. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf. 
Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.